Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. From the fifth quarter studios in Madison, Wisconsin, you're listening to Coach Unplugged. And now, your host, Steve Collins. Hey, everybody. Happy Tuesday, episode 843. We're going to do two, part two of the run and jump today. Before we jump into that, I'd like to give a big shout out to our two sponsors. First of all, Dr. Dish, the Midwestern team. They're, they're located in Bloomington, Minnesota, which is a suburb of Minneapolis. Um, go over and check those great people out. Mention Coach Unplugged. They'll give you $350 off. Also, go over and check out teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better. Courses, hours and hours. You know, my brother keeps hounding me to increase prices. He goes, geez, one video is $49.99 and you're charging less than that um, for all those. You, you have hundreds of hours of on-court clinics. Um, you have courses, you have um, mentoring, you have one-on-one calls. You're not charging enough, Steve. So I, I'm trying to keep it affordable. He's hounding me. He's a partner of mine. Um, so come over and check out Teach Hoops. I, I can't imagine a better gift to, to, to yourself, to working on your craft, to win more basketball games in teachhoops.com. So come over and check us out. Um, and we just, like I said yesterday, we put up a, we just put up a course on um, uh, the run and jump. So I think you'll really enjoy that too. Um, all right, let's head off. The, the point guard can guard the 6'9 guy. It doesn't matter. Like he's yeah. not going to score from 84 feet away. And then, trust me, most high school teams are not good enough. You, you can switch it as soon as you get that rotation in the half court. It's not – you got to work on it and practice it a little bit. But very few high school teams can, in five seconds, isolate and get somebody – it just doesn't happen. I, I mean, I've watched enough games. I've been asked a million times about mismatches, and my response is the same every time. Mismatches are extremely overrated. Extremely Way overrated. Doesn't mean it'll never happen, but it pretty much never happens. It never happens. And here's what I'm going to tell you again: golden nugget for the coaches listening. I have a I have a tiny point guard. I had a tiny point guard last year. Literally, I think he got posted up once. He could have gotten posted up every time down the court in in a mismatch or something. But the problem is, not only is the guard that he's guarding have to be able to post up, then the person passing it in has to be able to make a good pass, and then the lob. 
the lob, the, the lob over, if he fronted it, it would never happen. I mean, I've seen like three good lob passes in 30 years. It's like, just doesn't happen. Like, yeah, yeah I, I 100% agree. Mismatches are way overrated. Um, Coach, you stop worrying about that. It's like, it's like an urban legend. Like, oh my God, he's going to get isolated. And then they're going to, now, you're more likely to get beat off the dribble, like an isolation. Like if you can't, if you can't guard the ball, then we got other issues. Um. <laughs> Here's the deal on getting beat off the dribble. What, what I, what I tell our players all the time is that there's no such thing as getting beat. In other words, if, if I'm covering you, Steve, and you go by me, I, and I, we're 80 feet away, 70 feet away, I am still in control. Right. All I got to do is run and tip the ball or veer you off, or someone's going to come and grab you. And I got to keep going to take the next man. So the thing is, is that the only time, the only time we're beat is when we quit. And when I say quit, you know, mentally start jogging. Jogging is not acceptable. And so that's, so there's no such thing as getting beat in this press. No such thing at, at all. As long as the kids understand, just keep rolling, keep rotating. And, and, and I'm guessing film is a big part of it. Like it showing them. Because they need to see it. Because all of a sudden you'll say, hey, Steve, you, you could have done this. You could have rotated here. And you'll, you'll look at me and go, Coach, did I do that? So they have to see it. Right, right. You're covering, you're covering 84 feet, 84 by 50, right? Right. So you have to see it. Once they see it, they go, yeah, I got it. Yeah. You know, it's no big deal. But I'll tell you another thing I tell coaches about when, when you're teaching, no matter what we're teaching, the last thing you want to say is, don't do this. You should have never done that. You should have done this. Because once you start telling people, don't do this, you should have done this. You should have done this. You should have done this. You should have done that. Now they start thinking. And the last thing we want, we don't want them to do a lot of thinking. We don't want to put up those roadblocks. We don't want to put up those, those walls. Because in the run and jump, like motion offense, like a lot of read and react, it's not about don't do this. It's about, yeah, okay, you might consider this. You, might have, you, might, you could have made this option instead of that option. But don't, no, never say never, say never, say never, say never. I like that. And I, and I think, I think, I think when coach talked about his colors too, with, you know, I think if I remember right, they're white, red, blue, and black. Did I remember oh, them right? That's correct. Yeah. Okay. I think I got them right. Uh, that, that, that's the way you can change. Cause I'm a firm believer in changing pace and changing, yeah. you know, if someone comes down and they're just doing, maybe they're beating you in, in red. Well, then let's change it up and we can go to something else like black or whatever um, to just give them a different look. I think is, is, is helpful. And the thing with the run and jump is you not only can speed people up, see people think it's all about speeding up. No, sometimes you got a team that likes to run, slow them down. And how do you slow them down? What would you run to slow them down? And how would you do that? So all of a sudden you've got the ball and I'm not pressuring you. I'm back about six, seven feet. All of a sudden you start dribbling to the middle. We can still jump it. We can still run it. Now we got you thinking, or I can take the guy off. If I'm going to slow you down, there's a good chance I'm taking the guy off the ball, put him in the middle of the floor. Kind of our spy back there. Well, I like that. I like that. I think it's a zone. It's still a man-to-man, still a run and jump. But the bottom line is now I've just slowed you down. It's a 2-1. I love the 2-1-2 look. I really do. Love it. Is that the, is that the, is that the look you use the most often, or do you use the 2-1-2? Two, two? The one I use most often is the 1-2-2. Two, two. I, like, I like putting pressure on the ball. Okay. But uh, but the two one two would be second. Would be second, and are those the only two like look or sets that you start no, in? Really, two two one, two two one. We'll do two two one. Force the ball a little bit more sideline. 
pressure, we, we, uh, like what Wahlberg does, we might trap the two guys that are up are trappers, two guys back at half court are more stayers. Right. That, that might be a little bit more of a zone look, but we're looking to trap right away with those two guys up. Okay. I like that. Um, what would you, if you, let's say you could only do three things at practice to get ready for this, what would you do and why? Press, press, press. No, I, I certainly, I'm certainly going to work on the press a lot. The other thing I'm going to work on is transition because to me, I, I ask coaches all the time. I say, now when I do, I've done a million clinics and then I'll, I'll say, okay, raise your hand. If you press 50% raise their hand, raise your hand. If you like run transition, like you fast break. 50% raise their hand. And I say to them, I say, what happens when you're down 10 with a minute to go? Well, I guess we do press. I said, everybody in this, everybody in this room presses and they run. The best way to develop your kids is teaching them how to press, teaching them how to run. So three things I would work on is the press, obviously. I would work on transition offense. I can run, you know, we all have a million transition drills and I would work on shooting. What would you do as far as a practice? So give me give me an idea of what a practice would look like with the run and jump. So let's let's pretend we're back at Stout, and I'm and I'm a little fly on the wall, and I'm watching practice. What well, what give us a rough estimate of what that would look like? Well, obviously everything's done in stages. Obviously you get your kids all warmed up, warming up a lot of transition stuff, and then within the practice schedule, and then we get in the press as soon as we can. As soon as we're ready to go, we will press solid for 20 minutes. We'll run, we'll run six minutes of breakdown drill, six minutes of situ, uh, situational uh, five on five, and then six minutes or f- six minutes of live live five on five. Okay. And so the thing is that we're going to press for 20 minutes because here's what I know. Coaches talk a lot about, oh, we don't do this well, we don't do this well. And I say to coaches, like half-court defense, pretty important stuff. So I say to coaches, let me look at your practice plan. Well, I can't look at the practice plan. They don't have it with them. I said, coaches, coaches a lot of times will complain about half-court defensively, they're not very good. And I said, well, let me look at your practice plan. Oh, you spent two minutes on it yesterday. Then the next day, you spent four minutes on it. No wonder you don't, you're not very good defensively. So anyway, going back to the practice plan. Warm-up, pressure, half-court defense. Now, in between each segment, I'm probably going to do some kind of a shooting competition i'm gonna do competition stuff okay so i'm gonna throw as much competition stuff into my practices as i can and the competition stuff the music's going we're playing we're recording i'm a big recorder in other words we have a whiteboard there we record stuff on the whiteboard on the side of the court turnovers shots made rebounds you you name it and so the different emphasis probably a different emphasis every day and so we like to do a lot of competition stuff so again because we're a pressing team, minimum 20 minutes of pressing. We're going to do X number of shooting drills, not back to back to back. We're going to throw them in, throw them in, throw them in. We're going to do half-court defense. We're going to spend easily 12, 15 minutes of half-court defense minimum. Breakdown drills into five-on-five, into shell, et cetera. We're going to do our transition work. Again, we need to get the guys up and down, get them so they're doing it, because that's where you do a lot of your ball handling. And then, and then sometimes before, before practice or, you know, during practice early or late, we'll do our individual skill work. Okay. Because you want to do your individual skill work every day, but you don't want to do it the same time every day in practice. It's to be boring. A lot of times doing it at the end, 
great time to do it. Right. Variety is the spice of life. What, uh, what's, the hardest, what's the hardest thing to teach? Uh, I, I, I think depending on what your systems are in terms of half-court defense, I think you, repetition, you've got to really get into your defense. And I think half-court defense is the name of the game, even though I'm a big press guy. Half-court defense is the name of the game, and I think that's incredibly difficult to keep your kids focused in terms of the breakdowns, the footwork. You know, Dick Bennett, without any doubt in my mind, Dick Bennett was the greatest half-court defensive coach of all time, better than Bobby Knight, and Bobby Knight was awesome. But Dick Bennett had the defense down to the inch, and I mean to the inch, up the line, on the line. He was the best. But I'll tell you what, you watch his practices, it was like it was like watching uh, paint dry in terms of when they broke the defense down because it was so laborious. Right. That's tough on kids. That's really tough on kids. It's tough to make it exciting. You got to yeah. get a full. And it goes back to what you were talking about earlier. You got to make it fun. Yep. So, so this is where, as a coach, you got to get a little creative. Yep. Yeah. You got to you got to do some breakdown stuff, and then you got to throw something in that's fun. Go back to the breakdown stuff. Throw something that's fun. Yeah, is there one coaching moment that we could talk about that either a success or a failure that the coaches listening could uh, learn from? You know, as, as, as we talked about earlier, I think we always go back to failures. Obviously, there's been a lot of great successes too. Um, you know, when my first national championship with Mount Scenario College, we, we led the entire game. And the... Uh, they hit a three at the horn to send it into overtime. I almost passed out. I'm, I'm a young coach, and I seriously, I almost passed out. I, I almost fainted because it was so devastating. And, and we had not trailed the entire game. And so right away, you can imagine we're down five. We're down five points before I can even take my first overtime timeout. But I'll remember, I'll never remember the calming effect that we had with, with the players because we knew we knew we could get it done. And I, I tell us to coaches all the time about if you're really nervous in your huddle, your kids are going to play really nervous. If you're really shook up, the players are going to be really shook up. And so I'll never forget our kids and the and and what we talked about and, and what we what we kind of went to, we kind of changed what we were doing. We kind of isolated a couple of, of situations and got back in the game, and then we hit a shot at the horn to win it. But the thing is, is that it's, it's a moment I'll never forget, first of all, because of my first national championship out of three. And secondly, because it was such an uh, inspirational moment for me to watch our kids rally, rally together to get this thing done because we were playing a really good team. We had just missed too many free throws. In the finals? Pardon me? Who We played Detroit, University of Detroit. Okay. Small, Detroit sports, yeah. Okay. And so and, – and like I said, it, it taught me a valuable lesson. And I think this might be one of the questions you might go down the line. After that game, I made up my mind that we, I would never give up another three. If I'm up three with under 10 seconds to go, I will never, ever give up another three. And Steve, let me tell you something. Ever since that happened, I have been involved, and I'll make the number up, 25 games that I was up three with under 10 seconds to go. And I have fouled every single time. I have even fouled before you got the ball in bounds. So I didn't give, so I didn't get the end one, three ball and one. And my rule is under 10. Now, obviously it'd be nice to get to five. Sometimes you can't get to five because they'll shoot it by that. 
time. And so what that game taught me was don't give up a three because we should have probably very likely, it would have been that team that I just talked about won 40 games that year. So we were a really good basketball team. And if we'd have lost that national championship, that would have probably been all on me. The thing right. is, is that it would have been a travesty because we were the better team. Right. Anyway, so I've had 25 games. That was 1991. I've had 25 games. I'm making that number up because I don't remember how many. Right. And I've followed every single time with up three under 10, 25 and 0. Never lost a game, 25 and 0. And I know coaches that won't follow. And Brad Stevens did a study on that. I don't know if you ever saw it, but Brad mm. Stevens did a study on should you fall, shouldn't you fall up three? And statistically, he proved that you should fall. Now, some of the greatest coaches of, of our time, Will Ryan, won't fall. Great guard, won't fall. I could go on and on. Right. 50% of the coaches will not foul. And I'm here to tell you, I really believe that's a mistake. And why did you? Why 10 seconds? Was that, the, was that in the Brad well, Stevens study? No, I, I, I just went 10 because once it gets under 10, you better follow it. You better get it fouled because otherwise, if you let them go to five, they're probably going to jack up a three and you're going to foul them. Not that they'll make it, but now they can make three free throws. Right. I, I just say 10 tens a general. If we can get to eight, we're great. If we can get to three, we're better. <laughs> but I will tell you this. If, if you're taking the ball at half court and I'm up three and, and it's like two seconds to go in the game, I don't even let you get the ball in bounds. I tell the official I'm going to fall. Right. Now, you, don't, you don't throw them to the ground, obviously. But right. You and you got to pr- and for the young coaches, let me tell you, you have to practice how to foul. Exactly. <laughs> because if you tell them to foul, they'll they'll hear all they'll hear is foul, and they'll like bear hug them, and that'll be an intentional foul. And you I'll to- tell you one. I'll tell you one more rule, Steve. On that, not only do you have to teach your kids how to foul, you have to tell the officials when you want to foul. Right. I lost a game once. We were the score was tied. We had four more team fouls before the bonus. There was like four seconds to go in the game. Called timeout. I said, "Okay, we're gonna they bring the ball in. Let them take one dribble foul. Bring the ball in. Let them take one dribble foul. They're not gonna get shot off." We literally at at seventy feet. They threw the ball in. We wrapped the guy up with both arms. Held on to his arm. He ripped his arm away. Took one dribble. Kicked it to a kid up front. And they banged the shot at the horn. The officials never made the foul. You know why? They didn't think we wanted to foul because the right. score was foul. So I learned that lesson the hard way. That cost me a conference championship. Right. You got to, you got to, yeah, you got to yell at that. I know. Um, so, hey everybody, I hope you're enjoying the podcast. Um, just a couple things. First of all, big shout out to teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better. They allow us to do these. They, you know, um, they'll, they allow us to become me become a better basketball coach, but allow us to keep, you know, the equipment and the editing and all the things I need to do to run three podcasts, high school hoops and teacher side gig. And this one, um, that allows me to pay the bills. So go over and check it out. And if you like this podcast, we would ask you to go over and subscribe and leave a review wherever, um, you listen. We would appreciate that. All right, let's head back to the um, podcast. So if you could change one thing about basketball, what would you change? I'll tell you, this is going to sound really strange. You wait till you get to hear this one. I would like to have a rule that you cannot talk to officials. In other words, coaches, if, if you're a coach and I'm the official and you say to me, come on, Ed, that was a foul. That's an automatic technical foul on you, automatic. I, I, I'm not mad at you. I'm not down on you. If you try to tell me how to ref, I'm teeing you up because it's a rule. It's not because I am mad about you. Because here's what I know. 
talking to officials becomes a whole nother game. And all of a sudden, I, I want to coach my kids. And the officials want to officiate the game. And the players want to play the game. So therefore, if we had a rule that you can't talk to the officials, I mean, you can say, hey, how's, your, how's, how's the family before the game, blah, blah, blah. But during the game, you're not saying jack to them, nothing. If the officials are allowed to officiate, if the coaches are allowed to coach, and the players are allowed to play, I'm here to tell you it would be a better game. Because here's what happens. I've, I've never been one to want to chirp at officials. What, what's happening to me? I'm standing on the sideline. I'm looking down at the other coach. He's yelling. We got a couple of yellers and screamers in the WIAC. They're yelling and screaming and stomping. What do you think I'm thinking? They're going to get some calls. They're going to get some calls. So guess what I got to do? Now I got to yell and scream and stomp just to try to neutralize him. Don't want to do it. So if I could change one thing in, in basketball, I would have a rule. And obviously it'd be up be a little bit of gray rule, but not much. Can't talk to me. Can't talk to the officials. I like that. You, what you could do is you could have challenge. You could have like two, football. You could have two challenges Maybe. because Maybe. if something happened at the end of a game and you need to talk to them, you, 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 like you, you take your challenge. I think um, the game would be so much cleaner. Oh my God. I'm done. I, I let's start a petition. I'm in. Oh, That's perfect. Okay. Cause then I don't have to worry about it. Cause I'm always like, do I got to neutralize? Yes. Done. I think yeah. that's perfect. Wouldn't you rather just coach your kids and coach <laughs> the game? Yes. Yes. Now, I don't really want to talk to them at all. Cause here's like, the deal. There's going to be some bad calls and maybe one night the calls will go against you. Right. It'll, it'll even out. It evens out over time. It really does. Okay. I'm going to do um, any other parting words on the read and react. Or the run and jump. A run and jump. I'm thinking <laughs> read and react. No, it's, I'll tell you right now, if, if every coach that's listening to this podcast should try it, man. It's so much fun. The kids love it. The kids will love it. I, they will love it. The bottom line is, is that I tell coaches all the time, it doesn't matter what you think. It matters what they think. And it does matter what you think, of course. Right. It really matters what they think. I will put, I'll put all of coaches' uh, contact stuff and all that in the show notes um, so everybody can find it. So we're going to do, do rapid fire, which is just me asking you a question. Um, and then you just give me the answer. So what's, what's your favorite brand of basketball, like the actual ball you play with? Well, I know when I was in the WIC, we went with that Wilson solution. I liked it. It was uh, pretty solid. You know, there's a lot of good basketballs out there. I always laugh at the Big Ten or the Division One because they, they have to have about 18 different basketballs in their basketball closet. Right. Because every, every school they go to, they have to play with a different ball because they have a different ball. Right. But I like Wilson. I like okay. Wilson, but I also like Sterling. Oh, I like Sterling. Do you have any uh, any superstitions? You know, I, I I I do. You know, when it comes to, I'll tell you one quick superstition story. Uh, we were we won eight games in a row. We were in first place in the WIAC. I had not. I had. I always wore a white shirt and tie. No no suit coat. And so I, when we started our run of eight in a row, I decided I better not wash this shirt. So I would, and I always dressed in my office anyway. I had my stuff in my office because I had a nice office. So I hung the shirt up on the back of my door, never washed it. So I went through eight games, which is about four weeks of not washing that shirt. Finally, we got beat. Thank goodness. No, I'm not, I'm not saying thank goodness, but we got beat. So we're in my office with my assistant coaches. I took a scissors out of my drawer and I literally cut the shirt off my body. So I guess my superstition was not to wash my shirt. Uh, one word to describe your ideal player. 
athletic. Here's what I'm going to tell you. Coaches talk about you want them to be tough. You want them to be coachable. It's all good stuff, right? But let me tell you something. I know a lot of kids that can't play, extremely coachable. I know a lot of kids that can't play, extremely tough. You know, they're just tough kids. They're, it's all good. But let me tell you something. You want kids that are athletic. you got kids that are athletic, and let's say they have a little bit of an attitude problem, you can work with that. But, man, if they can go, if they can rebound, if they can score, if they're really athletic, that's the kind of kid I want. I want kids that are – you know what? I, I know this, Steve. I'm a hell of a coach when I got great players. I'm a hell oh, of a coach. Oh, I'm, I'm, I've said this a billion times. There's two types of coaches, coaches with players and ex-coaches. Yeah, exactly. That's it, man. There's two types of coaches, man. Exactly. And, 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 and I tell people, if I'm building a high school basketball player, 6'3", long, athletic. athletic. Give me five of those. Give me five of those. I don't need a point guard. I don't need a bit. Give me five of those, and I will nice win. What's nice about athletic, they don't even have to be a player. If they're athletic, they'll get some things done. Oh, trust me. I've, got, I've, I've had like three or four NFL players that are football players that, that I can – trust me, I can put – I can play with Giannis, and I'm an old man. Like, exactly. you, you put an athlete out there, the athlete can cover up a lot of mistakes. Um, if you could go to one sporting event, what would you go to? Well, I've been to about 16 Final Fours, and I'll tell you, I love the Final Four. The Final Fours have been the best. Uh, my first Final Four ever was in Rupp Arena when Villanova upset Georgetown. Oh, I remember that game. Probably Massimino. That was my first Final Four. Can you imagine that game? It was just awesome, man. I, I know. I took my that. son to the Virginia-Texas uh, Tech that, that weekend. Up in Minneapolis. In Minneapolis. That was his first Final Four. I said, ooh, I you, you, you picked a good one. I've been at 16 Final Fours, and I'll tell you what, I, I hope I can go to 16 more. Yeah, they're great. Um, what's your favorite pregame meal? Pasta. I love pasta. I love spaghetti. I love pasta. I really think it's good. Uh, doesn't, doesn't, doesn't overfill you. You just eat as much as you want. It kind of goes away. I love salad. Love salad. Okay. What did, what did your, what did your um, game day look like when you were at Stout? So go take us through your game day. Well, obviously I would do, I would, I would uh, make sure I communicated with our, I would make sure all of the, the protocols were on the board so people knew exactly when they reported. Now, a big email guy, so our big text guy. So our guys knew exactly when you report, when is the gym available for shoot around. But I would get all that stuff out of the way, get all the details out of the way. Then I had a beautiful couch in my office, take a nap. You know, I would just relax. Sometimes I would come in the office late that day. To me, game days were always the most fun because it, that's your work is done. Your work is done. Right. It's, it's all, it's all, you've done all your work to lead up to the game day. If you're not relaxed, then something's wrong. And That's I don't, the best dinner is the night. The, when I come home from practice the day well, before we play a game, that is the best night because I, first of all, I won't scout ahead because I don't want to, I don't want to yeah, like, yeah. I don't want to mess up thinking about another team. While I'm thinking about this team. And then, Oh, I love that. I agree. Coach, you and Coach K have that in common. He he takes a nap before every game. Um, I'm a great. I don't know about you, Steve. I'm a great napper. Oh, I love naps. I Na- 20 minutes. I don't even set an alarm. I know. I wake up. I know. Naps are. I mean, I'm telling you. Yeah, I can get by with a lot less sleep because I get a nap. Um, what's one thing you do to relax? Well, I, I golf a lot. I try to golf as much as I can. I what I, what happens when I'm on the golf course is nothing else matters. In other words, I'm not thinking about games. 
not thinking about recruiting. I'm not thinking about anything. It's, it's me and that little, that little bingo, bango bongo game. Uh, and I, I mean it. It's, it's my escape. When I'm on the golf course with my friends, telling jokes, maybe having a beer, playing some good golf, gambling a little bit, I think of nothing else. That's awesome. Um, one coaching technique you think is important? Uh, again, footwork. I think, I, think, I think a lot of coaches uh, really ignore footwork, whether you're teaching closeouts, whether you're teaching defensive stance, whether you're teaching shooting. I think coaches – I think a lot of times coaches don't teach it very well because they don't, they don't know themselves. They don't know how to teach it. They don't know what, what's, you know, what's important. You know, I'm, I'm in shooting, I'm a big hop shooter. I, I've, I've tran- transitioned. Are you? All big time. I think so all too, but I think some kids have to be a step in. They have, I mean. Well, and here's what I'm to tell you about that. There's nothing wrong with the one-two step. The one-two step's awesome. And I don't, th- I don't think there's anything wrong with teaching both. But what I've learned over the years is hop shooting, you get the shot off quicker. You do. It's easier to teach, especially at the younger levels. I know a lot of, a lot of players, like Steph Curry's a hop shooter, right? He's also a one-two stepper. Right. You know, you look at all, but you look at all the great shooters. I mean, 99% of all the great shooters, especially from the three ball, uh, they're hop shooting. They hop shoot. Now, again, I tell coaches, there's nothing wrong with them. The one-two step's awesome. But the thing is, the hop shooter is easier to teach, and it's quicker release. And, it's, and, and younger kids can handle it easier. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I've been working with my son getting both of them. I think that's – he's gotten pretty good at having both of them. Um, what's the best basketball player you have seen in person? Well, again, Terry Porter wasn't too bad, too shabby when he was at Stevens Point. I was the assistant coach at UW-Stout. Uh, man, a guy could play. A guy he could, could. – and I'll tell you, at the national tour- NEI national tournament, 25 points a game, and he was just built. You know, he was just built for basketball. And he could defend like if you if you he was defending you, don't think about shooting. Don't you better catch the ball and get rid of it because he was such a great defender, a great mind on the floor. So I've you know we've all seen a lot of great ones. He was out, out one of the top of the list. I like that. Um, best best basketball player of all time, Michael Jordan. Okay. Without any question, obviously, uh, and I know you've had a lot of people say that, but it's you know, true I'll, though. <laughs> I'll tell you the last, how good was the last dance. I love that series. That was okay. such a great series. I'm glad. I'm glad they did it. I'm glad they released it. And uh, yeah, he was the man. Um, best game you have seen in person? Well, I already talked about the, the Villanova the Georgetown game. Now I've, I've seen a lot of great ones. I'll tell you. Let me give you one more. Wyack one. Dick Bennett versus Ken Anderson at UWO Claire. I'm the assistant. I'm sure this was back in the '80s. Uh, maybe. I'm sure it was in the '80s. It might have been early. It might have been late '70s. Because Ken Anderson, when did when did Anderson try to come to UW? I'm not even sure. I anyway, yeah. The uh, standing room only. Dick Bennett versus Ken Anderson, and I'll tell you, for people that don't understand this, the WIAC, which is a very good, great league, right? It's nowhere near the league it used to be. The league it used to be, the Terry Porters, and I could go on and on and on. Right. We had NBA draft choices in the, the WIC. We don't have those anymore. Right. We had seven-foot centers, seven-foot, 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 six-elevens. And why do you think that is? Because there's more scholarships now. So all the players that were in the WIC are now scholarshiped out. I'm telling you, the WIAC is even – and, again, the WIAC is a great league. 
greatest, it's still one, it's still the best Division Three league in the country. I think not it's even too. close to the way it used to be. Yeah, not even close. Back when it was NAI, even when it was WIC early, all oh, the players were well. Again, NBA draft choices. Right, right. You can't do that. Yeah. Anyway, so I'm watching Ken Anderson standing room only, watching Ken Anderson against Dick Bennett with with some NBA guys in there. Final score. Get this now. People are going to die. 39-38, Stevens Point. The entire crowd never sat down the entire game. 39-38, the entire crowd. We never sat. And nobody. Nobody sat the entire game. That's crazy. If you've ever that's, been to the arena, they're top. Everybody's that, that's Wisconsin basketball right there for you. Um, what's one word to describe your coaching style? Aggressive. Outside okay. the box would be three words, but I'm telling you, I'm aggressive. Uh, favorite quote? Uh, I've always loved the John Wooden, be quick, don't hurry. Love, always love that one. Because kids, I hate turnovers, just like we talked about earlier with the run and jump. And I'll tell you what, kids are, kids, I don't, kids are not allowed to be out of control. You're out of control, OOC, got to come sit down for a while. My, uh, my quote for, for the last nine months is, be better, not bitter. Yeah, there you go. That's a great one. I like that. <laughs> and then they think that's a wooden one too. Uh, because like we can, you could be bitter about all the stuff that's happening in the world, but get better, learn something, yeah. read a book, you know? Um, yeah. Uh, best. So this is, a, this tends to be a hard one. Best basketball coach of all time. I'll tell you right now, without any question in my mind, because of not only the volume of stuff that he's done, Bull Ryan. Dick Bennett, Dick Bennett and Bo Ryan are two of my idols that obviously are mentors that I, that I strive to watch during the, you know, obviously because they're from Wisconsin. But Bo Ryan kind of had the complete, and Dick Bennett, awesome coach. Bo Ryan kind of had the complete package, whether it be recruiting, offense, defense, et cetera. You know, when you talk to Dick, and Dick would not, not be mad at me for speaking out of turn here, but you talk to Dick, Dick didn't like offense. Dick was the best defensive coach in the history of college and professional basketball, but he did not like offense. Bull Ryan kind of had the whole package. Yeah, I, I would agree. I'll Is there one book you would recommend? Bull Ryan's book, Another Hill to Climb. Have you read it? I have. I mean, I did. It was. Is it the Lucas book? Is it the Lucas book? Yeah, Another yeah, Hill. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't read it. Another Hill to Climb. It's kind of an autobiography, but it talks about philosophy. Okay. Great coaching book, Another Hill to Climb. Awesome. Thank you, coach. I appreciate it. Are you, do you got a, do you got a tea time today? Oh, uh, no, no, it's too cold. It's Four too cold. Flagstaff. Okay. All right. Well, I really appreciate it coming on and I will put all of coaches um, stuff down below where he can reach you. Um, so tell them what they can get from you as far as run and jump. I know you talked about your clinics and I've, I, I think I'm on your email list actually, but tell the, tell the people what, uh, what they can expect and where they can find stuff. Well, I have a website called, uh, eddiebasketball.com. They can go there. Obviously we have DVDs. We have a lot of free stuff, which is, you know, obviously you're really good at that. Giving away a lot of free stuff. We have blogs, uh, drills, uh, I'm on coach two. Uh, I'm on coach two for the DVDs. If you want to just you know rent it for uh, a bit. Okay. Uh, so again, it's all the run and jump is. There's just a ton of information on my website, which is free. Okay. And so then where? Want, so talk about the clinic stuff too. Well, the, on the website, they obviously they can get my contact information. Eddie 
Anders at Outlook.com, or they can call me on my cell phone. That's on my website. Okay. The thing is they can schedule a camp with me. It's a one day camp. They can go four hours, five hours. It's really up to them. And again, once I'm done with them in the four to five hours that we work out, press is done. It's in. Now it's just the biggest thing I tell coaches is I'm teaching. As we all know, it's about how you teach, not what you teach. Right. What you teach is really important. How you teach is a lot more important. So when I'm done with with these clinics, it's as much for the coaches or more for the coaches than it is for the kids. It is. Okay. Give that, give the website one more time. EddieBasketball.com. Ooh, Eddie Basketball. That's pretty easy to remember. <laughs> All right. Thank you, coach. Hey, everybody. I hope you're enjoying this. Um, make sure if you want to hear more, go over and check out teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better. If you want to hear other podcasts, go over and check out High School Hoops and Teacher Side Gig by Coach Collins and subscribe, like, review all of them. Five-star reviews would be nice. Have a great day. Sports Social Podcast Network. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press one. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press two. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.